This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Your possibilities. Possibilities. Hello, this is Andrew Jobling. Welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another week of happiness. Yep, it's happiness week on the Wellness Puzzle Podcast as I speak with Todd Patkin. Todd is based in Boston in America and Todd is a happiness coach, a happiness speaker. He's Mr. Happy, although he did tell me during the conversation that he had a pretty crappy day yesterday. He just wanted to make the point that even people that focus on happiness, still have bad days. So it's okay to have a bad day, but don't stay there. I guess that's the key message. Todd, he's got an interesting background, very successful businessman, multimillionaire, happy marriage, beautiful son, but spiraled into depression, had a horrible breakdown until he got to the point where he thought, this is not how I want to live my life. And he chose happiness. And since then, he has written a book called Finding Happiness. He's a TEDx speaker, He has a 12-week program that he's gifting to anyone who wants to take it called 12 Weeks to Living a Happier Life. And we touch on some of those weeks in this podcast. This is a really powerful podcast. Todd is a very down-to-earth man, pretty cool dude. So please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Todd Patkin. Todd, it is wonderful to have you on the Wellness Puzzle podcast. Thanks so much, Andrew. I'm thrilled to be on it. Good, mate. And you're in Boston in the US and I'm in Australia and we've just been practicing you g'day, mate. So do you want to give the listeners a bit of a g'day, mate, from Boston? G'day, mate. Yep, I like it. There's some horrible attempts at Australian accents by a lot of Americans, but mate, yours is up there, which is pretty awesome. And Todd, you've had a great day today. Yeah, I told you. Today was really great. Yesterday was absolutely horrible. So it's important for listeners to know that even when you're a happiness coach and you feel like you've kind of figured out the recipe for happiness, you can still have a day that really throws you for a loop. But today is much better. Good, mate. I'm glad you've had a good day today. And it's all about perspective, isn't it? And it's all about just recognizing that life happens. And whilst happiness is always a goal, you're not always going to be happy. There's going to be good things. There's going to be challenging things and how we respond to things. Is that your main premise? Well, everything is in your mind. So you can basically figure out how to live your life. Most of us have been programmed for our entire life to live it in the exact wrong way, constantly beating ourselves up, constantly worrying about the past and fearing the future, as opposed to just living life and being our own best friend. I got thrown off track yesterday with just a lot of stress, a lot of things coming at me that surprised me that I wasn't expecting. And that's really difficult. It's great if you can take a step back and handle it. You know, I guess you'd say as a mature adult, I certainly didn't yesterday. So we all have our struggles. Did you have a tantrum yesterday, Todd? Just stop I didn't have a down. tantrum. I, had a, I almost had a little bit of a breakdown. Oh, uh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I just fumes were coming out of my head. I was really struggling not to put my head through the wall. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't, mate, because that would have made this podcast a lot more difficult with your head stuck in a wall, for sure. But, mate, I want to ask you a question, and I want to ask you to tell us about the potato salad or the coleslaw. Well, this all started with a nervous breakdown that I had. I don't want the listeners to think I have breakdowns every day because I just told you yesterday I almost had a breakdown. I had one very serious uh, nervous breakdown in my life. I was 38 at the time. 
It was at the height of my life. I had just sold my company for more money than I ever dreamed possible. I have a wonderful wife, a beautiful son. Everything was going great. And all of a sudden, I was working myself into the ground. And I had broken my foot, so I couldn't go to the gym, which is my drug of choice. I call it my drug of choice. Whenever I was stressed out or struggling, I'd go to the gym and work through it. And then my wife and I were trying to have our second child, and we lost a pregnancy. And I couldn't handle that loss without going to the gym. And so I had a nervous breakdown, and I sank down deep. I actually had two days of which I was uh, suicidal. What happened for me was I had gone out to lunch with my father just at the beginning of the breakdown, and my brain was fried. That's what happens when you're broken. You just have nothing left. You're totally burnt out. And the woman asked me with my dinner, would I like potato salad or coleslaw? And I absolutely couldn't answer. I was so fried, I could not think of how to answer that question. And that's when I realized I'm in rough shape. Yeah, there's always a problem when you can't make that simple decision. You know, there's, there's a bit of an issue there. The reason I asked that is I was reading an excerpt from your book, Finding Happiness, and that was there. And I thought, okay, well, it's a nice way to lead into your story. So, Todd, tell us a bit about your background. I mean, obviously, you're a very successful businessman and obviously chasing success and validation and whatever you were chasing, that financial recognition, whatever it was. Where did that start for you? Yeah, that's really the beginning of my story. When I was a young kid, maybe seven years old, I felt like I needed to get straight A's in school. And that lasted for my whole life. Why did you feel you needed to get straight A's? Was that something that your parents put on you or just society put on you? You know, I was just an insecure kid. I got bullied a lot. I got picked on a lot. I was kind of nervous with other kids. And I think I said to myself, you know, the way that I'm going to feel okay with myself is to get these great grades. That's how I could kind of sleep at night. And, you know, over time that wears you out. I also had terrible homesickness. When I went to overnight camp for the first time at age 10, I had to come home. And all of this, Andrew, followed me to Tufts University. Tufts in Boston is considered the place you go if you can't get into Harvard. It's a real, again, the pun, tough school to be in. And here I was, a kid at 18 who needed to get straight A's to feel okay with himself. And to get straight A's at Tufts was almost impossible. And here I was, a kid at 18 who couldn't stay at the dormitory more than one night a week because he missed his mother and his father. He was homesick. Yep. So I tell everybody that the greatest achievement of my life, I think, was getting my college degree. And it's not because I'm not smart. It's because it was so difficult for me to make it through with these you know, terrible wounds of homesickness and trying to be perfect. And I got out of college and I absolutely had the greatest ride of my life going into the family business. After a year, the guy who was in charge of the company passed away and my dad actually put me in charge. And I thought he was crazy. I thought he must have been drinking the night before he made that decision because I didn't know anything. But he actually made the right choice. I have to say I was a natural at it. We grew the company from 10 million to 100 million. We sold the company uh, for actually $100 million. It's public knowledge. But that was right around the time that I had that breakdown. And I had to look at myself and say, Todd, look, you've got more money than anyone else you know. You have a wonderful marriage, beautiful wife, wonderful son. You have it all. You've made it. And right now, you basically want to kill yourself. You're in the midst of a breakdown and you want to die. So that's when I came up with my 12-week program over the next year or two. 
really analyzing how I could live a happier life. Can I just ask you, and we're going to get into your 12-week program and the content of that, what did you feel like you were missing? As you said, you had it all, money, you had great relationship, great marriage, beautiful son, everything going for you. What were you missing? When you have a nervous breakdown, think of the neurons in your brain as almost like popcorn in a microwave. And when you're popping that popcorn, it's going so fast. And that's when you're on a high. That's when you just feel like you could do anything. But then envision it slowing down to a point where those popcorns now, you know, completely stop. The neurons in your brain get to a level where they're supposed to be at a certain level. But when you have a breakdown, they pretty much stop. So you can't think of anything other than I'm a total loser. Everything in my life is awful to start to think that your kid doesn't respect you. You start to think your wife probably feels like you're a burden. And all of this is a month old and none of it's true. But when you get to that level, it's a switch hits and all you can think about is negative things and how awful everything is. Yeah, I totally get that. Leading up to that though, I guess my question, and the reason I'm asking this, Todd, is because this is so common. You would not believe how many people are achievers and strivers and have created incredible outcomes in different areas of life, yet have this same feeling. That's me. I'm not going to go into my story, but I play professional sport to be validated. As a personal trainer, I wanted a body to be admired. And it never filled the void. No matter how much success I had, no matter how much money I made, same. I was never happy. And I think there's so many people out there that feel the same way. They're out there going, bursting themselves every day to be successful in their job or their career or their business, to achieve in the sporting realm or maybe entertainers or celebrities or whatever that you see time and time again, achieving great heights in their career, yet end up depressed, end up addicted, end up suicidal. What's missing? What was missing for you? And what do you see is missing for many people that just can't tap into that inner joy, that inner happiness? I think the most important thing, if you want to be happy, is learning to love yourself just because you were born, that you don't have to achieve. You don't have to always be perfect. We talk in America a lot about the American dream. I assume you've heard of that, Andrew. And the American dream really is all about an immigrant coming to America. And after two or three generations, they have tremendous success and wealth. But the ugly side of the American dream is that the immigrant comes, my grandfather Ruby came from Lithuania. And when he came, he started sweeping floors. He had no money. Eventually he had a big car dealership. I know that what he did is he worked long, long hours, six, seven days a week. And he only looked at what he did wrong so that he could improve. He didn't look at what he did right because maybe he'd take a break and party. He wanted to constantly improve his situation. And that's how most of our grandparents who started out from scratch, they constantly looked at what they did wrong so they could improve. And if you ask them why they did that, they would say, so my son and and his son can live a happier life. But we don't live happier lives because we learn from our parents. We learn from our parents just to look at what we do wrong. And if you look at what you do wrong, you're more successful, but you're also a lot less happy. So what I see with most people is they go through their day and they just look and and focus on the things that they do badly. And it makes them feel really, really bad. They try to become perfectionists. So in your case, I think, as you said, you were always trying to validate yourself like I was trying to validate myself with straight A's. And you can't, you know, there's always going to be another test you have to take. 
I only got to the point when I had a nervous breakdown where I said, I've had enough, I've got to change. And eventually I learned, I just have to be happy with who I am simply because I was born. I hope that makes sense. That's awesome, mate. I love that simply because you're born. That's a beautiful way just to round up this first session. And then I want to get into some of the stuff you're teaching people to be happier and live happier. So let's have a quick break. How do you rate the most important things in your life? For many of us, long life and joy are high on the list. Important elements we can't buy, but the secret to attaining them is elusive and out of reach for many. Andrew Jobling has tackled these important questions in his book, The Wellness Puzzle, Living a Life of Joyful Longevity. Andrew solves the problem by teaching the seven pieces to optimal well-being. This is a must-read. Find out more about The Wellness Puzzle and Andrew's other books at andrewjobling.com.au. Very powerful story, Todd, and very apt, and I think very relatable for a lot of people listening to this. The bottom line is we, for some reason, and you're right, it is generational, isn't it? It's Generations are different. My grandparents came from Hungary to Australia and same thing, same story. And they pushed their daughter, my mum, to work harder. And my mum felt like she had to work to earn love. And she carried that through her whole life, even into a diagnosis of cancer and a premature ending of her life. And so I've seen it and I've lived it. I've experienced it with her. I've experienced it in my own life. Now talking to you about it, this is such a common thing. Parents, grandparents think they're doing the best thing for their kids by picking at them and finding fault and thinking that they're going to help them improve. But all it does is chip away at your self-confidence, chip away at your self-love, chip away at any chance of happiness. So tell us a bit about that journey when you said, right, things have got to change. I want to be happy. And you got into the process of developing your 12-week to living a happier life. Tell us a bit about that. Andrew, if if it's okay with you, I'd like to just pick up on the point that you made about parents and the way that they kind of treat their kids. They always want them to do better and they're always picking at them. You know, I've traveled the country in America and I asked parents because I really wanted to understand this whole idea of perfectionism in America. See, America is all about success. They've traded success for happy. We're all about success, not about happy. So I asked a lot of parents Well, first, I asked a lot of kids. I said to the kids, I said, listen, you have a choice. You can be the most famous, successful businessman in the world with all sorts of money. But this man is very unhappy. He's had several nervous breakdowns. He has no relationship with his family, uh, his kids or his wife. You can be that person, A. Or B, you can be the local basketball coach at the high school who would tell you he's the happiest guy on the planet. He has great relationships with his own family, wife and kids, and he has all of relationships with all the players that he's had come before him. Who would you rather be, A or B? And of course, 90% of the kids say, I'd rather be A. I'd rather be rich and famous and unhappy. And then I went and I asked their parents, I said, let me ask you a question. If you had you know, more children, and they could be very, very successful, but have depression during their life, or they could be fairly unsuccessful, but very happy, what would you prefer? And about 60%, even more than half said, I want the success, I expect my kids to be successful, I was successful, I had depression, they can certainly live with a little bit of depression. 
So at least in this country, yep. again, they're putting success ahead of happiness. I think it's important to realize that. And I also think what that comes down to, Todd, is what is the definition of success? And I think in the US, certainly in Australia, I mean, Australia follows the US, as do a lot of Westernized civilizations. The same thing. How do we define success? For most people, the definition of success is a material thing, is an external thing. It's money in the bank. It's a status. It's being an author. It's being a speaker. It's all these things that are outside of us. It's how we define what success is. And I think when we can define success as joy and peace and love and fulfillment and purpose, success is a feeling, then we have a different view on life. And I think one of my missions in life is to try and start to help people shift their definition of what success really is. Just because you don't make a lot of money doesn't mean you're not successful. Just because you don't have the bank account or the status or the career or the body doesn't mean you're not successful. And I think that's where a lot of people fall down because they look at themselves in the mirror and say, well, I can't be successful. Well, that all depends on your definition of success. I completely agree. I mean, if you have three or four children and you're the world's greatest parent, boy, that's a huge success. Well, if you can go to bed at night and go, what an amazing day, and you can wake up in the morning and go, I cannot wait for this day ahead. I cannot wait to hang with the people that I love. I can't wait to see what comes, what opportunities are going to present themselves. This day is going to be the best day to me. That's success, and I don't care how much money you've got in the bank. When you wake up with a smile, when you wake up with joy and gratitude, to me, that's success. So let's talk about that. You've got a program, and I love this, Todd, that you are giving this away. You give this to people. Now, you're a speaker, and you're a coach, and you're an author. You're a pretty significant guy. You're a very successful businessman, clearly. You're giving away a 12-week to living a happier life program. I love that. So what I'd like to do, mate, is I've got it up in front of me at the moment on your website. I'd love to quickly, and we don't have a lot of time to go through each one in a huge amount of detail. But why don't we just touch on your 12 weeks? Because I'm looking at some of the titles. I think, yeah, this is awesome. So why don't we just quickly touch on each one of the 12 weeks and you can give us a bit of a quick, maybe summary statement or overview, and then we'll just see where we go from there. Sounds good. So the 12-week program really helped me learn to live a happier life. It's very, very, very simple to understand and extremely difficult to do because you have to reorient the way your brain thinks. And if you've had 40 years of experience, if you're 40 years old, we're not going to be able to change your brain in a day. You have to work on it throughout the, you know, probably another 40 years, but we can certainly get you started. The first two weeks are preparation weeks. The first week is movement or exercise. We want to get you moving. We want to get your your mind from the exercise feeling more positive so that you can break through weeks three through 12. Week two is listening to motivational tapes or reading motivational books. Because the first week we get the physical going, we get the exercise going. The second week, we want to get the mind moving in positive ways. So you're thinking about that life is greater and you can accomplish things and you can be very, very successful. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to say I really love that because I like the fact that you got the movement thing first. Because sometimes with the mindset stuff and the listening, and sometimes we go, oh, yeah, I couldn't be bothered. But when you're moving your body, what that does is obviously that sends endorphins through the body and makes us more positive and open to receive stuff mentally. So I think, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say that's a great way to start. No, absolutely. And if you can get to the gym, you can get into what I call your Superman mode. I used to go to the gym some days 
beat up and I'd leave the gym feeling like I could conquer the world. I call it movement because I was criticized by a lot of people who said, Todd, there's a lot of people who are couch potatoes. They're, you know, quite a bit overweight. They don't really move from the couch. They're certainly not going to go to the gym. So just call it movement. Just get them out of the couch for maybe 10 minutes a day. Teach them how to dance a little bit, go for a walk, something a little bit less intensive. Week three is the most important one. I touched on it before. It's learning to love yourself simply because you were born. Most of us treat ourselves more harshly than we would ever treat our worst enemy. We say things to ourselves every day like, I can't believe how stupid you are. You're obviously the dumbest person on the planet. You're so fat. You're so ugly. You must be the worst parent in the world. This affects you emotionally, mentally. It even affects you at the cell level. Studies show that your cells move more rapidly when you're feeling positive and move more slowly when you're feeling negative. I want to prove to you that you treat yourself much worse than you even treat your own friends. So I want you to pretend that you drive up to your friend's house. Your friend is very depressed and very upset because she had an encounter with her brother. The encounter did not go well. The brother said she'll never speak to your friend again. Your friend's convinced that the whole world is over. She'll never have a relationship with her brother. If you're her friend, most likely you're going to say, give me a break. It's your brother. You've had these things before. Of course, he's going to forgive you at some point. I'm sure it wasn't that bad. Let's go out and have a a beer or an ice cream. That's how you would treat your friend. Now I want you to pretend that it's you. You are the one who had the encounter with your brother and your brother said he'll never speak to you again. And now you're talking to yourself before you were talking to your friend, but now you're talking to yourself. I don't think you say to yourself, you know, it's really not as big a deal as you're making it out to be. Your brother will come around, give yourself a break. Let's go out for an ice cream. What you probably say to yourself is, I did this 10 years ago with my sister. I did it five years ago with my mother. I am the absolute worst person on the planet. And you beat yourself into the ground. And I think if you really ask yourself, is that true, that you would treat your friend better than you would treat yourself? I think 100% of us would have to admit that's true. This is crazy. You have to learn to be your own best friend. There are so many people out there that are going to take shots at you because they're jealous of you. If you can't be your own best friend, life's going to be tough on you. So that's week three. That's a great week, mate. I think that's a key week. You're 100% right. If we spoke to our friends like we speak to ourselves, we would be very lonely people, that's for sure. So, (laughs) The other week that's real important is living in the present. Most of us... When I say living in the present, obviously your body is in the present. I'm not saying that your body's in the past, but your mind is elsewhere. You're playing checkers with your seven-year-old son, but your mind isn't playing checkers with your son. Your mind is thinking about things in the past. I wish I had handled situations differently. Why didn't I handle it this way or that way? Or you're focused on the fact that your best friend and you had a huge fight and you're no longer speaking to her and you're so angry with her, but you're bringing it into the present. Every day you think about Ellen, your best friend who treated you that way. And it's robbing you of being able to be in the present or you're fearing the future. How much of us spend times each of our days fearing things that will never actually happen? People are afraid they're going to get sick with cancer. But what's the chance if you're a 40-year-old, you're actually going to get sick with cancer? Maybe 10%. What's the chance if you do get sick with cancer that you're actually going to die? Maybe 10%. So if you do the math, it's less than 5% chance. You're spending all this time worried about something that's never going to happen. And the fact that you're worrying about it probably increases the chance that it'll happen too. 
And stop worrying about it and you reduce the chance it will happen. You're probably right. You're probably right. But this stuff is tough because this is the way your brain is wired. You're yep. used to uh, you know, feeling this way. And so one of the ways to kick the fear of the future, again, is to ask yourself, what's the percentage chance it's going to happen? 5%. What's the percentage chance I die if it happened? 5%. And you realize that it's so low, you shouldn't worry about it. Yep. Love it. Another week that I think is great is we call it playing to your strengths. Every one of us was born with certain gifts. There are things, Andrew, that you can do 10 times better than I can do. And there are things that I can probably do 10 times better than you can do. And that's your sweet spot. The problem is most of us spend very little time in our sweet spot because we take the first job we're offered out of high school or college. We say, we realize it's not really what we want. And within five years, we'll change jobs. And all of a sudden it's 40 years later and we're still in the same job that we hate. Or we had wonderful uh, hobbies that we really enjoyed, but we've kind of grown away from our hobbies. So we look at our life and we're not in the sweet spot. So what I ask people to do is to make a list of the five things that they think they do better than most people. And I ask them to make another list of the five things they absolutely love to do in life. And then I ask them to circle the thing that appears on both lists. And usually there'll be one or two. That's what you were meant to do in this life. And then we work on a program of how we can get more time in that spot, in those spots. Awesome. So what are some other key weeks, mate? We won't go through all of them, but you're just, and I like what you're doing. You're just sort of highlighting some of the really key ones. What are another couple of really key weeks you think in the program? Well, I think one of the most important things is focusing on spending more time with positive people and less time with negative people. I was just looking at that one. It's hilarious. That's the one I just focused on and you said it. I think you and I are on a wavelength here. Perfect. There's a wonderful quote. It says, choosing to spend less time with negative people doesn't mean you hate them. It just means you love yourself. Yeah. And the reason that's important is, you know, a lot of times people will say, Todd, I love your program. But when you're telling me to stop talking to my mother-in-law or even my mother and spend less time with them, that you're crossing the line. If you want to be successful with the program, you've got to realize that every time you talk to negative people who tell you how miserable life is, how bad everything is, how nothing can ever get better, it's really going to pull you down. So I ask you to make a list of the five people that you spend the most time with, whether it's texting, talking to them, seeing them face to face, and then you rank each of those people on a scale of one to five, one being they're totally toxic. You talk to them and they instantly ruin your day. Five being they're totally positive. You could be having a terrible day and they totally lift you up. And then you take those scores, and I'm going quickly, so I hope I'm not confusing people, but you take those five scores and you add them together and you divide by five. So now we have the average of the five people you spend the most time with on a positivity level. And if it's two or one, you need to make some serious changes in your life in terms of who you're spending time with. If it's three, you should make some changes. If you're four or five, you're doing pretty well. And what you want to do with the people who you need to step away from is start out by letting them know that you're working on a positive program. They tend to be negative. You still certainly want to be close with them, but you need them to also change. Would they be willing to take a similar program? And hopefully they will. And if they won't and they continue to be very negative, you want to spend less time. Instead of talking to them five times a week, you speak to them two times a week. 
I think that's a critical one. And I think people go, yeah, yeah, but, you know, they're friends and it's hard for me to not spend time with them. What you've got to realise is that you become like the people you associate yourself with. So if you hang around cranky people, you've got to become cranky. If you hang around unhealthy people, you're going to become unhealthy. It's this whole law of attraction, whatever you want to call it. So it's critically important for your own life to associate with the right kind of people. Absolutely. You have to make a decision in life. Do you want to be happy or you don't want to be happy? The other reason you should take a program like this if you're struggling with happiness is your kids will be like you. So if you say, I'm unhappy, but I'm 50 years old and you know what, I've been unhappy for 50 years, I'll be unhappy for another 40 years and then I'll die. But your kids and their kids and their kids will all change if you change because your kids will be like you. So as a motivator to make a change, change for them as well as for you. We always are told that uh, kids of parents who go to the gym, go to the gym. Kids of parents who don't go to the gym, don't go to the gym. Well, it's the same thing with being positive in life and looking at the glasses half full or half empty. That's awesome. I'm looking at these 12 topics. There's so many amazing topics there, focusing on helping others and strengthening relationships and being friendly. What a simple thing. But you said simple, but not always easy. Being friendly to people, even just smiling at people that walk past, say hello to people that walk past. It's It's so important because you don't realize the difference it can make. There was an article in the paper I read two weeks ago, and it was about a guy who tried to kill himself. He jumped off a bridge and he actually survived. And they said it was amazing that he survived. And they asked him, you know, why did you try to kill yourself? And he said, well, The main reason is I was depressed and unhappy. But to be honest with you, the short answer is I got on a bus and I was heading to the bridge and I started to have second thoughts. And I said to myself, I'm going to go up when they stop at the bridge and I'm going to stand next to the driver and I'm not going to move. And if the driver's nice to me, I'm going to stay on the bus and go home. And if he's mean to me, I'm going to jump off the bridge. And they said, well, what happened? And he said, well, I got up, I moved to the front of the bus. I just stood there when he opened the door and he said, kid, get off the damn bus. So we need to realize that conversely, if you're friendly, you know, see someone at the market who's having a down day, you don't even know them, but you give them a nod or a smile. It can change their whole day and they go home and it changes the way they affect their wife and their kids. It can have a real ripple effect. hundred percent. I love that. Very, very powerful. Let's have another quick break and then we'll come back and we'll wrap up this fabulous conversation. Fitness is an essential piece of the wellness puzzle. First step, finding someone to help you on your fitness journey. But finding a personal trainer or class you love isn't always easy. That's where Fiddy comes in. Fiddy is the app to help you discover trainers and classes near you. Find one you love and connect. Booking session times or classes has never been easier with Fiddy's unique live calendar view system. Download the Fiddy app in the App Store or Google Play today. Todd, wonderful stuff. This is so good. So simple, isn't it? I mean, all these things we're talking about are just common knowledge, but it's not commonly applied. We've all heard these things, being easier on yourself and moving and focusing on living in the present. We've heard it a million times, playing to your strengths spending time with positive people. Everyone's heard it. The bottom line is it's not until we start applying these things that things will start to change. I think we often sit around on the couch watching TV and just hope magically things are going to change. They're not. 
you've got to take positive action. And I love this 12-week program. If people are willing to commit to this, I can see at the end of it, there's going to be a significant difference, as you said, in not just their life, but the life of people that they associate with the ripple effect. I'm a big one on ripple effect. I think every single person on the planet is going to have a powerful ripple effect one way or another. And I think a lot of people don't recognize the fact that they have influence on lots and lots of people. So what kind of influence do you want to have? I think that's really powerful. Week 11 and week 12, I think we might just spend a little bit of time on. Week 11 is developing an attitude of gratitude. Tell us about, for you, how that's had such a powerful impact on your life. Right. Let me just mention one thing, if I can, Andrew. Sure. I take more time on all of the 12 weeks on my YouTube channel, Finding Happiness with Todd. That's Finding Happiness with Todd. And I explain how you can effectively better live in the present, better play to your strengths. So I actually explain how you can be effective. Today, I don't have the time. So if you're interested, go to YouTube, Finding Happiness with Todd. Gratitude's huge. You know, at any point in your life, you can look to the right, figuratively speaking, and see all the people who have more than you and feel bad about your life. Or figuratively speaking, you can look to the left and see all the people who have less than you and feel great. You know, you have a family who's living in a house on a street and they're very, very jealous of the family at the end of the road, a husband and wife with no kids because they have a bigger home. But they, they don't realize that the husband and wife at the end of the road with the bigger home, their one goal in life was to have a child and they couldn't. They would live in a tent if they could have just one child. And this family with a smaller home has three beautiful children. So they need to appreciate what they have, three beautiful children and a nice house, instead of focusing on the fact that they don't have this bigger house down the road. You're right. People tend to focus on what they don't have and what they haven't done. And they focus on the things that are outside of their control. I mean, the person down the street, I've got no control over how they live their life. But when we start to focus on what we can control, then it's a different story, isn't it? And I think gratitude is simply perspective. And I talk a lot about this. People that are stressed and anxious, when something happens, if we use COVID as an example, I mean, how many people in COVID have focused on the fact that we can't go out, we can't do this, we can't do that, I've lost that, I've lost that, I've lost that. And I often, whether I'm talking to people one-on-one or in a group, I say, what is there to be grateful about COVID? And it's amazing how many things people come up with more time with family more time to focus on things that they love. There's things for me, the pollution in the air was less because less people are out driving, more opportunity to create and do things that maybe we didn't have time to do before, being able to focus on health and well-being and meditation and all sorts of stuff. So when you stop and ask yourself a question, no matter what's happening, okay, this is not great. What am I grateful for? There's always stuff you can find. You can find gratitude in the most challenging of situations if you choose to look for it? It's just everything I'm teaching. Everything I'm teaching is changing your mindset. Maybe your parents taught you to always see the glass as half empty and always look at what other people have uh, and be very jealous. And we want you to change the way you view things to realize at the bottom level, you have your health, okay? And, And that's huge because all of a sudden, if you have all the money in the world, everything's great, but all of a sudden you have cancer. I know what you're focused on is the fact that I'd give anything not to have this cancer. So we just really need to realize just how blessed we are. It's a story that I hear all the time, people going and visiting Africa for the first time, young children, 
And they come back and they say, mommy, I can't believe it. I met these people who lived in a hut made out of branches and they lived eight people in the room and they're the happiest people I've ever met. Why are they so much happier than people were living in Boston who have these beautiful houses and cars and all this money? So true, so true, mate. Gratitude's just, again, it's a choice. There's always something to be grateful for. Okay, week 12, focus on your higher power. Tell us what you mean by that. That's a tricky one. For me, it's God, but for a lot of people, you know, nowadays, I think at least in America, we've become a lot less religious. But I think it's just realizing that we're all in this together. We're all struggling. We're all on this planet. We're all trying to get ahead and and make it work. And to understand, it makes you feel better to realize that when you're having a tough time, others have gone through it before you. It's like we talked about cancer. Now there are all these support groups of people who have had cancer before you. So the higher power is that we're all in it together and we're all here to help each other. Yep, I love that. And I'm with you, mate. I pass all my problems up to God as well. And I think spiritually speaking, a lot of people obviously don't have a faith in God. We all have a faith in something or we can create a faith in something. You know, some people trust the universe or the law of attraction or some other spiritual belief we have. I think if we just, again, rely on us, it's got to be me, I'm in control. If I don't do this, it'll never get done. Then we're going to be living a life of stress, anxiety, and unhappiness. But when we can go, okay, as you said, we're all in this together. I've got people that can help me. I've got a universe that if I put out the right energy, I will receive what I want. I think that's a really powerful, powerful message. And I'm really glad that that's in there, mate. So that's awesome. Todd, brilliant. You've already mentioned how people can find your videos on YouTube, Finding Happiness with Todd. If people want to check in with you or they want to talk to you about speaking or they want to buy your book or they want to access your 12-week program, how do they do that? You can go to my website, which is toddpatkin.com, T-O-D-D-P-A-T-K-I-N.com. That's my website. That has everything. It's got my books, my workbook, my book about my life, got my TED Talk, several other talks on it. And you can see the 12-week program on there as well. Or if it's easier for you, you can go to YouTube, Finding Happiness with Todd. Todd, thank you so much for your time. I feel happier. I feel already happier today. This has been wonderful. I look forward to sharing this podcast with people so they can just take a step out of maybe all this trauma and stress and challenges they're creating in their own life and take part in this process you've got this one step at a time process to love yourself and be nice to yourself and live in the present and do all the wonderful things you've spoken about to live a happier, wonderful, joyful life. So Todd, thank you so much for your time, mate. Andrew, thank you, mate. Happiness is a choice. And I love that conversation I just had with Todd who went through all the very, very simple things that he has done to find happiness in his life doesn't mean you're always happy and cheerful and over the top positive. It just means that you're able to come back to this place of joy and gratitude and fulfillment in the moment. We can all do it, but it will take work for a period of time. It's just creating new routines and rhythms. That's all it is. 
focus on being easier on yourself is such a powerful thing to do. Focusing on movement, focusing on gratitude, focusing on your strengths, focusing on spending time with positive people, focusing on helping others and being friendly. These are such simple things. And I think often we go, well, it's not that big a deal. So we don't focus on it. Let me tell you, this is the biggest deal. If you want to find out more about how to be happy, and I would recommend that you do that, do Todd's 12-week course. It's free, for goodness sake. Go to his website, toddpatkin.com, where you can find all about his speaking, his TEDx talks, his books, and his 12 weeks to living a happier life program. Go to YouTube to Finding Happiness with Todd. There's so much amazing content that this man is putting out to the world for you. So please use it. Please be happy. And please share this podcast with as many people as you can. Thanks to Pietro and the team at Freddy for sponsoring the podcast and helping me get this message of happiness out to the world as you are getting your message of health and well-being out to the world. Thank you so much. I'm happy. I'm feeling great right now. So I'm looking forward to another podcast next week with another fabulous guest. So I hope you can join me. I hope you will have a wonderfully happy week and I look forward to being with you then. My name is Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast.